Jesse Pollock, one of the co-hosts of Podcast 1289. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode today. Always remember what Thomas Jefferson said, kill the president. This is Travis Barker, March 12th, Travis Barker, the Travis, the Travis Barker abduction. Hey everybody, how's it going? Uh, This is uh, Josh Hogan. Uh, Today on the Epidemic, we've got (laughs) legendary Blink-182 drummer Travis Barker. Now, Travis, you were abducted by aliens. Um, No, actually, I think you have me confused with uh, Travis Walton. Fuck! <laughs> I swear, I thought that was the rapper that killed a bu- that accidentally killed a bunch of people in his show. Um, oh, I- the one that they say is uh, a satanic. What was his thing? name Travis Smith? Travis Scott. Was that his name? Scott. Scott. Yeah. That's it. They said it was a satanic thing. Oh yeah, that was yeah. that was a whole that's there was a whole so thing about that dumb. in Astro World. Yeah, no, it's dumb as shit, but it's it still <laughs> doesn't change the fact that it's fucking kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't you rolling, bagels, man? We just had a perfect cold open. I hope he didn't say anything important. We know he didn't. We did uh, the whole the uh, Josh Hogan mixing up uh, Travis Barker with Travis Walton. Except for he he died. He almost died in a Paris. Yeah, fuck. Survived a plane crash. Got him stoned. Let's hope I, let's saw hope I can them, read um, <laughs> I saw them the night before that happened. Really? It was really uh, the show was really good. Um, Blink played like every fucking song they ever wrote, so it was kind of long. Because I sat through like three bands before that. There was some bullshit band called Chester French. They sucked. Um, then I had to sit through Taking Back Sunday, which, as you know, is like pulling teeth for me. Then I watched Weezer, which was <laughs> serviceable. And then Blink comes on, and we're like an hour three of this concert by this point, And they played like literally every fucking song <laughs> ever. From Dude Ranch and- to Take Off. <laughs> the whole fucking show, Mark Hoppus kept referring to New Jersey as Philadelphia, and I was ready to storm the stage and fucking <laughs> Chapman his ass. <laughs> hey, what's up, Philadelphia? How you doing? And it's like, okay, listen, like, no, this is Camden, New Jersey. Like, we are not Philadelphia. They are somehow shittier than us. <laughs> the last thing I saw was, uh, I was watching something with um, Sam Roberts, and I was like... I was like, I'm hey, con- dude, yeah. it's me, Sam. Sam. I'm Sam con- Roberts. I'm convinced that people still watch him because they're still trying to figure out what a Sam Roberts is. Like, he's like this, like, Neolithic study of a person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dude, he was just on John Douglas from the FBI, a.k.a. Mr. Mindhunter. He was just on fucking Jim Norton and Big J Okerson's show. And John <laughs> Douglas was like, these fine young men may call themselves comedians, <laughs> yeah. but they take crime seriously. And I'm like. <laughs> what fucking reality are we living in? John Douglas just gave big ups to Jim Norton and fucking Big J Okerson. Was he doing the? Big was, he doing, 
Was he doing the ch- uh, the Chip thing? Could you imagine Chip interviewing John Douglas? Someone tell us did they uh, did they take their heads off and fuck the next stump? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, actually. That's how you know Norton is officially old, because that would have been the hilarious yeah. if he did that. Well, he fucking, he ran Nancy Grace out of the fucking studio. Michael, did you ever see that? Uh, no, that's awesome. <laughs> Michael, for those of you, if this ends up in the show, for those of you who don't know, Michael actually interviewed Nancy Grace um, early in his podcasting career. And around the same time, if not like a year or two earlier, Nancy Grace was on... Opie and Anthony, I think, or it was either Jim and Sam. I, either way, <laughs> Jim Norton was there, and That's like scary. he basically like called her out for for like exploiting the families of murdered people, and she threw on the fucking waterworks and ran out of the studio, <laughs> and then for like a week was on this fucking like press binge where she's like, "I was on this show, and these these comedians were mean to me." <laughs> That's a really good Nancy Grace. She sucks. That was pretty good. She does look like a gargoyle. <laughs> Dude, I hate that cunt. Yeah. It's always, like, the weirdest part of my, like, podcasting career has been, like, interacting with Nancy Grace. Because being on her show, because I've interviewed her, and I've been on her show twice trying to get publicity for cases that I've covered. And it's like, I don't know, it's just fucking weird. This is why you fit in so well with us, because between you, me, and Dan, like... We have been stumbling our way through history for about a decade now. Like, we are going to have, like, the most <laughs> bizarre-ass Wikipedia page when we fucking kick the bucket. Just like, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, these guys hung out with, like, Nancy, what, Nancy Grace? Uh, Jim, Jim Van Babber? And the dude from Weedis? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it was funny. You were talking about John Douglas. The coolest part of podcasting was last birthday last april he left me mm-hmm. like a facebook you know like a happy birthday thing and i was like did john douglas just wish me fucking happy birthday on facebook <laughs> john douglas um helped me out with death on the devil's teeth we talked about a few things behind That's the dope. scenes um on there and um cyril wecht helped me out too and now, like, he's doing some crazy-ass JFK documentary that's, like, straight out of the Joe Rogan playbook. So I don't know how much longer I'm going to, like, brag about Does, that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> dumb question, but was that Trench guy a real person? Because, like, yeah, I, he was a pretty cool dude on the on the show. Which Trench guy? Bill? Uh, Bill? Trench Yeah. Bill, Bill the, he's like... Oh, Bill Tench? Yeah, yeah, he's a composite character based on, like, Robert Wrestler and I think, yeah. like, Dave Riker. Uh, yeah, I think like it was that. mostly Wrestler, because he was yeah. kind of like the, uh, yeah, like the experienced FBI guy for uh, mm-hmm. John Douglas, who was, like, the young, cocky show-off. This is not to detract from Douglas at all, but um, Douglas kind of accidentally gets credit for a lot of the shit that Wrestler did. Yeah. Like, Wrestler coined the phrase serial killer, and Wrestler interviewed, if I'm not mistaken, he actually interviewed Ted Bundy. And, like, a lot of people are like, John Douglas, the father of the term serial killer, who I- interviewed Ted Bundy on Death Row. And, like, you always see Douglas has got to be like, uh, yeah, uh, actually, that wasn't me, but... <laughs> and it's like, man, that fucking sucks. <laughs> That's like when John Lennon used to talk about, he was just like, yeah, when I moved to New York City, every time Yoko and I used to go out to dinner, they would, like, send some violinist to the table, and he would play a song Paul wrote, and I used to have to just sit there and <laughs> smile and take it. <laughs> I also think it's pretty funny that they made um, Wendy way hotter than she was in real life. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I was like, whoa, Wendy's a <laughs> And they made her way this. smarter, too, because that frumpasaurus in real life was one of the fucking <laughs> satanic panic godmothers. She was into that whole, like, 
regressed therapy bullshit that we saw with like Michelle Remembers. We got to do a fucking episode on Michelle Remembers. And um, yeah. speaking of regressed therapy, welcome everybody to a very special installment of Podcast 1289. We're back after a long hiatus. I'm fucking so pumped to be here. I'm Jesse. I'm one of your many hosts. Tonight, we got fucking Dan with us. Hey, everybody. We've got Homestyle Mike. Howdy doody. We've got the man, the only man who's more fucking Jersey than me. We got the one and only Chef Bagels with us. I want a Shaft-like themed song. Boo. I'm going to edit that so it's just like, I want a shaft. God damn it. And it's porn music <laughs> in the background. We should just find a song that's all about dicks. <laughs> Welcome to the Come Town episode of 1289. We can play that one song by NoFX. You come on my face when you fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a real song. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> um, it's my first Fat Mike impression. It's a landmark. Anyway. Back again with us, two of our favorite fucking people in the whole world, all the way from the Unresolved podcast. We've got Michael with us. Hey, what's cracking? Finally, back with us again, all the way from the Shuffle Repeat podcast. We've got Zach with us. Well, strap the fuck in. This is going to be dense. Dan, what are we talking about tonight? Uh, that really badass movie, Fire in the Sky. Travis Walton story, bud. Fire in the sky. They just like Travis Walton live. <laughs> Take a shit. Suck my dick. <laughs> Cut love. Suck an alien house. <laughs> Fire in the sky is my favorite shitty kiss song. It's a good one. All right, okay. let's get into it. So, let's do this. November fifth, nineteen seventy-five. Twenty-two-year-old forestry worker Travis Walton was riding back from a logging job detail in Apache Greaves National Forest, just outside of Snowflake, Arizona. Liberal six coworkers. <laughs> Snowflake, that. Arizona. I've never, I've never been to Arizona. I don't know if there is snow. That is the weird thing about this story, um, because. I'm sure like a, a lot of you gathered here today and um, like a lot of our listeners, I remember being obsessed with this case when I was a kid because the Discovery Channel usually had Travis on in like a generic like UFO special or something. And he was in all the books and stuff. And I always assumed like in my memory, oh, yeah, that was up in like Washington State or something because it's like loggers and shit. It's like Kurt Cobainville. Yeah. But it's like, no, it's like, no, this isn't fucking Arizona. They have trees in Arizona. <laughs> what the fuck? When did this shit happen? Yeah, they do have they do have trees in Arizona. That's true. You would actually be surprised. My uh, wife and I were driving through Arizona. I think it was a, it was a handful of years ago and it was like May or something. And I think mm -hmm. we drove through Phoenix and it was like 40 degrees out. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Oh, no, dude. When when it's cold in Arizona, it gets cold. Yeah, it's like the weird like desert climate. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. it's, you usually think of it as hot, but when it's cold, like it's fucking cold. But when it's yeah, hot, dude. it's fucking hot, though. Anyway, Moving Travis on. Barker. Yeah, back to it. So the crew had worked all day, quitting just around sunset. By the time they had finished loading up their truck, it was completely dark out because, you know, it's November. About a quarter of a mile into their 30-mile trip back home, the crew suddenly saw bright lights through the trees. If you've seen the movie uh, Fire in the Sky, they think it's a fire, so they that's, go to that's investigate. The, the fire. Well, yeah. that's what they say in the movie, but in the real-life case, it's a little different. But you're going to get into that, yeah. I think. Probably. So... Walton described the light as a, quote, soft golden glow. 
His co-worker, John Goulet, initially thought the glow was coming from the moon, until he turned in the opposite direction and saw the moon was facing through the truck's window. Hi, John! I'm the moon! <laughs> he for- who, who forgets where the moon is, huh? <laughs> uh, the Russians. The Russians. <coughs> so, uh... He then, cla- he then claims that when the truck turned abandoned the road, they suddenly saw the source of light in its entirety. A, quote, classic saucer-shaped object hovering approximately 110 feet away. <laughs> Yo, what the fuck is this tuberculosis ward in here? It's COVID. What do you want? We just got out of COVID. Everybody's still coughing. Jesus fucking jumped up Christ. I'm, uh, I'm bringing it back to that roach episode. Yeah, it's a little ridiculous, actually. Okay, moving on. Before the cruise foreman, Mike Rogers, who was driving the truck, could even bring the vehicle to a complete stop. Oh, yeah, the brother of uh, Glenn Edward Rogers, right? <laughs> Walton shocked his co-workers by dashing out of the passenger seat and briskly approaching the saucer. We're just running straight for it. It's always a good idea. He's charging it to show dominance. <laughs> you have to remember that, like, and this was the other, like, really striking thing about re-researching this case for this episode is how fucking young these dudes were. Like, the oldest one in the group was 26, and the youngest one was 17. Like, Travis Walton was 22. I don't know about y'all, but I did some dumb fucking shit at 22, and running headfirst towards a saucer probably would have been one of them if I had the fucking opportunity. (laughs) Continuing on. According to both Walton and Rogers, the craft began to make a low, thunderous rumble within seconds of Travis leaving the truck. Rogers later said he could even feel a rumble through the truck's steering wheel. Uh, He's got a bent rotor. That's that's your brakes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Describe the sound you're hearing. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta take that shit over to Pep Boys. <laughs> Customer states low thunderless rumble within seconds of driving. Can you can you describe the noise it makes to me? Yeah, welcome back to Car Talk here on NPR. Customer states it sounds like a pounding heartbeat, followed by a higher frequency sound that Hay had trouble describing. It's also a flying saucer. I don't know if that's gonna affect anything. You want an oil change with this tonight? You're gonna have to take that to an import shop. Everything I just said is actually how they described it, so moving on. Yep. Uh, Travis then ducked for cover behind some logs, and the crew loudly began begging Travis to come back to the truck. Uh, but he got up to run back and couldn't move, because guess what, guys? Locked in a tractor beam. Oh, shit. Don't you hate when that happens? Zapped his ass. <laughs> he zapped his ass. Got him. Uh, they described the light as a bluish, quote, energy beam that hit him in the chest, knocked him to the ground, rendered him unconscious. Nice. Walton later described it as being hit in your blind spot by an unexpected force. That's a that's a flag on the play. Except this was like right in front of him. Yeah, just getting <laughs> fucking speared. How was I to know that a flying saucer was gonna do th- that thing that all flying saucers <laughs> do? <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> yeah, because this was 1975. UFOs were well in the zeitgeist. Dude, he was a fucking UFO buff. Like, he knew, he fucking knew better. Assuming this is true, which is not. He n- n- knew better. He wanted to go. I mean, yeah, that's also very valid. He was he was one of the ones that's in the movie. And uh, what, what the fuck is that movie? Uh, uh, Independence, Independence Day, Day. When they're up on the roof. No, was on the roof. Take me. Take me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. Yeah, Vivica Fox, dumb, slutty friend. <laughs> 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 fucking those hoop earrings making an alien fucking act up. 
Got her ass. <laughs> Yo, dude, I fucking watched Independence Day, or as I like to call it, ID4, because I'm a cultured man. <laughs> Again, recently, the fucking special effects in that fucking movie are awful. Like, fucking Asylum. Aside from, like, the Stan Winston creature suits in Area 51 when he fucking choked the shit out of Data. He had it coming. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, the fucking CGI in that movie is fucking atrocious. And the fact that the practical effects are so fucking good only makes it worse. Like, the shot where they blow up the fucking White House is still, like, yep. one of the great practical shots of all time. They were good at miniatures. They were great at it. And then, like, everything else was fucking dog shit. Yeah. How about the fire... The- the cheapest shot in that movie is when the dog is outrunning the fire. In yes! The trail. That's exactly what I was fucking thinking of. That looks like, like, that fire looks like dog shit. Yeah, because it's in slow-mo. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, su- I'm super glad Boomer didn't get roasted, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I'm with you, Mike. When we were kids, like, that and Jurassic Park were the pinnacle of fucking special effects. And we didn't know shit back then. Yeah. But wait, I don't know, because Jurassic Park still holds up. Yeah, Jurassic Park, I think that was just mostly practical effects i don't think they did a lot of like super special cgi stuff in the first one about half and half yeah you know what had really good looking costumes or whatever was uh or i guess special effects was that teenage mutant ninja turtles movie the first one yeah i just watched the first one again that movie is a lot darker than you remember Mm -hmm. holds the fuck up you got fucking children stealing cigarettes (laughs) yeah Dude, that movie fucking rules. Like <laughs> that was just New York in the eighties, dude. It was enough early nineties movie talk. We'll talk about Fire in the Sky later, dude. Like how fucking great of a crossover would that have been? Like we need to do a fan edit where where Jason takes Manhattan is in the same fucking world. As <laughs> that would be oh, perfect nice, because yeah. then you have Casey. Well, you've got you've got well. Casey with the hockey mask as well. Wait, Jay- so. Yeah, yeah, Casey yeah. Jones is fucking Jason. <laughs> when Jason punches the kid's head off. <laughs> and then it cuts, it pans down to his head, but then it pans down to the pizza delivery scene. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I don't know, dude, it's 30 minutes or less. <laughs> Dead guy's head bouncing behind them, not paying, no idea what's happening. Dude, Jason takes Manhattan is so fucking, like, I, you know, mad, mad respect to that guy, too like he squared up to jason like good for he, him he and the only other black dude in the franchise they're the only two to shoot the fade with jason and uh didn't go well for either of them actually. it's mad respect to him and then mad respect to king willie and and uh predator 2 dude <laughs> predator 2 is Hell better yeah. than predator 1 and absolutely I'm gonna fucking die absolutely on that hill. i agree entirely but i respect what? your opinion hey hey michael real <laughs> real quick real quick question who the fuck asked you? <laughs> you know, hey, no, hold on, hold on. Benefit of the doubt here. You Benefit. Know, you didn't like Benefit. when El Scorpio uh, powered up with the power of cocaine. And oh, that was the <laughs> dude. Like, beat red. Predator yeah. Two is one of the best movies on the planet. It's one of the okay. best sequels to ever I'm exist. It I'm has say this right just now. A, hold on, hold on. It has just okay. enough of the source material in it. Yep. Just enough of the source material in it references the first one in the first five minutes, and that's it. And then Preach. it goes off on its own thing. And then yeah. you got fucking Gary Busey Thank looking you. like a goddamn baked potato, <laughs> 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 throw getting fucking 
cut in half by a <laughs> frisbee for fuck's <laughs> sake. Like <laughs> only seconds after his redemption arc, yeah. you know, too. Anyone else think Scary Busey looks like if you put Kate McKinnon in the microwave? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's good. Okay. <laughs> Yo, no, we have, we have to, we have to continue the, 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 on. Dude, fucking, uh, the most daring shit about Predator 2 was basically just like, yeah, no, you're Roger Murtaugh in this. Like, are you sure? Like, should I, like, maybe try a different accent or a different wardrobe or a different anything? Nope. Nah, you're just a tired cop. I can do that. Guess what? Mel Gibson, we got a bad feeling he's going to say the N-word in about 20 years, so your co-star's a fucking alien in this shit. All right. Oh, fuck. You know what's fucking crazy? Danny Glover was like 40 years old when that movie came out. <laughs> what? Danny Glover's been 65 since 1978. Yeah. What are you talking about? He is currently 75 <laughs> years old. Get out of and here. I think Predator 2 came out like 30 years ago. He was like 45. We <laughs> need to protect this man. He was a rough 20. <laughs> I'm literally too old for this shit. Dude, fucking, and, and this, is the one, this is the last thing I'm going to say, but this, this conversation is crucial because I'm high and I love talking about Predator 2 and 2, <laughs> it's aliens. It fits. Um, I'm going to side with Michael on one thing here. If Predator 2 had the same amount of catchphrases that Predator 1 has, it would have taken over the fucking world. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Predator 1 has better catchphrases, but Predator 2 is fucking awesome. Well, it's also like, yeah, Predator 2, it didn't have, it doesn't have the charm that Predator 1 had of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Predator 2 is just more realistic. Yeah, Predator 1 was just like, had like the best cast of characters ever, because you had fucking... Son of a... Gotcha pushing too many Ventura. You ugly motherfucker. Fucking Carl Weathers. Yeah, the other, yeah. what's the... Jesse Ventura, sexual tyrannosaur, God. <laughs> and then Shane Black, Shane Black playing the nerd, wrote yeah. and directed <laughs> Lethal Weapon, was just like, yeah, can I be an action star too? And like, no one fucking said no for some <laughs> reason. They were like, whatever, you're gonna get killed anyway. <laughs> something just chimed. Is oh, I sent, I sent something in a chat, you can disregard it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's is just, that the shirt from it's the It's just the best, the best shirt that I own <laughs> on the planet. Fucking Danny Glover yeah. in a tuxedo. <laughs> Oh, it's just the That's best. I, lo- I love this shirt so much. I can't remember if I put it in the blooper reel or not, but I have footage of Brendan Brown from Weedis looking at you while you're putting the microphone on him, and he goes, is that a Predator T-shirt? <laughs> 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 Which, you know, good guess. The shirt says Predator 2 in gigantic letters. <laughs> Um, uh, oh my god, can like, you send me that? <laughs> if that's not in the blooper reel, I'm calling Rob from Wild Eye. I'd be like, yo, listen, pause the manufacturing of the Blu-ray. I need to make sure this gets in there. <laughs> Why? Because we got stoned and talked about it on a podcast. Yeah, by the way, everybody, um, uh, Podcast 1289's first actual documentary. It's out. It's on streaming. It's If you want to watch it for free, it's on Tubi. If you want to support us, it's on VOD at... Um, God, like Voodoo, Voodoo YouTube, YouTube, fucking whole bunch Play of places. Store, Apple Store, whatever. And you can still support us on Tubi. Just put, play it on a fucking loop in your apartment all day so we can get that ad revenue. So yeah, The Acid King. Go check it out. Ask your local gas station or 7-Eleven to carry the the mm-hmm. uh, Blu-ray version when it comes out. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. So anyway... We need to get we need to get back to this. We spent way too much time on Predator 2. <laughs> Never spend too much time on Predator 2. So, 
Uh, have fun, have fun editing through that. Just by the way, so I'm not going to edit shit. Anymore. I'm done. <laughs> let 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 the audience suffer. So Walton later described it as being hit in your blind spot by an unexpected force. Steve Pierce claimed that this sudden burst of energy threw Walton, quote, at least 15 feet back from where he initially stood, causing his body to bounce off the ground when he landed like a fucking sack of potatoes. Um, John Goulet described the woods as lighting up in a bluish green glow once Travis was struck by the beam. The crew described the sound. Suddenly, I have a refreshing mint flavor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anybody anybody taste blue? We bring you love. (laughs) <laughs> Break his legs! So the crew giant technicolor cheese wheel. The crew described the sound similar to like a power arc, like you know that loud crack of high voltage of electricity. Um, spooked nice. by this, Mike Rogers immediately threw the truck into gear, and the crew just fucking left. Fuck this! <laughs> uh, you will you will know that they were one man light, and they left Travis behind after getting struck by lightning or whatever the fuck happened. So Mike drove in a blind panic for another quarter of a mile before <laughs> suddenly realizing, uh, what did I just do? I left my best friend and co-worker behind. <laughs> you never, like, just like in Raising Arizona, you never leave a man behind! <laughs> We just left a man behind. They're just <laughs> screaming and punching the ceiling. <laughs> this ain't good for my hero's arc. I tell you, I've been reading a lot of Joseph Campbell lately. This is not in that list. <laughs> so uh, he slams on the brakes and immediately starts arguing with the crew, all of whom were like, dude, like, uh, pretty sure he's dead. That was some, like, alien laser beam kind of shit. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mike, of course, wasn't having any of that and remained firm that they needed to go back and get Travis, presumably, uh, before E.T. could shove an ovipositor up Travis's ass and create some kind of horrific half-alien, half-Arizonan lager hybrid, you know. Are we tripping on peyote again? <laughs> so, yeah, you've seen the movie. How, however, uh, before Mike and his crew could hop back in the truck and pick up Travis from this uh, intergalactic love connection, uh, they saw a bright flash of light in the night sky, and that mysterious craft just out of there. <laughs> Left Earth. Just, fuck, what do you do now? <laughs> fuck! <laughs> fuck! God damn it! <laughs> this always fucking happens! Not again! Shit! <laughs> What's the, what's the OSHA write-up on this? <laughs> Fuck! So, They're gonna dock my fucking pay! Shit! <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, the spaceship's gone. Like, there's nothing they can do about that. It's suddenly, like, they found their courage. <laughs> With uh, Goulet saying, You don't just leave a guy behind. And after they, you know, totally left a guy behind long enough for aliens to fucking snatch his ass. You know, that's... Which is totally what happened. <laughs> because uh, the crew... <laughs> Drove back to the spot of where... It was so weird how you find your courage after you see a UFO flying away. <laughs> it's like, all right, threat's gone. <laughs> this has nothing to do with nothing, but now that the threat is gone, I think we should go back. It's just a coincidence. So, by their own account, the guys took their time driving real slow on their way back to get them. And, uh... <laughs> When they got there, the crew checked out the area, hoping to find Travis, like, huddled in a bush or fucking maybe his corpse. Uh, but it was pretty evident that Travis was gone. Halfway to Alpha Centauri. His ass is not of this universe anymore. Peace out, Cub Scout. Cover your nuts. He's probably got the radiation on him. <laughs> that, that boy's sterile now. Except for the whole ovipositor thing about to happen. Anybody got one of them weird-ass dentist blanket things? <laughs> 
Shit. <laughs> so, realizing this, Mike uh, kind of lost it. Fell to his knees, broke down in hysterics, you know, as you do. Then, after composing himself, he got everyone back in the truck so they could drive to a, a nearby substation and call the police. And at this point, it's been nearly two hours since, you know, he he got zapped. <laughs> so, too fucking what do you do? <laughs> like, they're far away. This was before cell phones were a thing. That's a lot of fucking bush checking. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, this. <laughs> Uh, he ain't in this one. Uh. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the thing. <laughs> this phone call almost didn't happen. Oh, <laughs> no way. Steve didn't think of calling the cops. He didn't think it would make any difference, you know? Nah, he was holding. And uh, Mike was supposedly still too upset to even make the call, so Ken had to do the dirty. No, you hang up first. <laughs> and didn't even bother. So, of course, as you do oh, yeah. when your friend gets abducted by a UFO and you're calling the authorities, you don't mention a UFO. <laughs> yeah, don't mention that shit until he gets here. <laughs> also, don't mention a sexual assault, because that won't get solved either. Dark but true. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, yeah, we'll check that alien rape kit sometime this century, maybe. A cab. So, Navajo County Sheriff's Deputy Chuck Ellison quickly arrived on the scene, and Ellison later described the men as, quote, very obviously upset, but still maintained his skepticism, sniffing out the crew to make sure there weren't any signs of, you know, marijuana or alcohol. Yeah, this dude literally got in their faces and went, like, y'all been touching the devil's lettuce tonight? Dude, aliens. Are you huffing pot? I got that glaucoma. <laughs> I, it's medical. <laughs> I swear, officer, this Jenkins medicinal. <laughs> so he claimed, he then, he did find, he claimed that, you know, he didn't detect anything. Because, you know, like, you have to, if a cop says they don't smell anything, I guess it's true. Are loggers cool enough to smoke weed in the 70s? Like, I would imagine. Everyone was cool enough to smoke weed in the 70s. I think, like, loggers are too busy beating their sons so they can start grunge in 15 years. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, probably pretty true. So they all started talking to him, and once the crew finally mentioned the flying saucer, uh... Oh yeah, we left this one, <laughs> excuse me, very important thing out, um... <laughs> oh, by the way, um, uh, Elsa called sheriffs, uh, the sheriff... You know what, while you're here, sheriff... <laughs> called the sheriff in, he's like, you better get down here. Now that you finished the police report, let's, uh, talk about UFOs. <laughs> we don't really want this in the report, but... There is a small, small chance we saw a UFO and it took him. What? Oh, fuck. I knew I shouldn't have fucking God said this shit. Um, he says that on the ride over there. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. We're going to have to pat you down. So, Gillespie, of course, didn't believe the logger's story and immediately began searching the truck for beer bottles, intoxicants, anything. He could shift the blame to, like, you guys are drunk. However, still skeptical, he ordered Mike Rogers, Alan Dallas, and Ken Peterson to take him to the spot where the spacecraft had attacked Travis and then sent the rest of the team back to Snowflake, but, you know, told him to stay in town. Yeah, just like <laughs> let half the fucking murder suspects leave on a 30-mile trip back to town <laughs> if that's where they're going anyway. Yeah, we'll find them. Good yeah. police work. Yeah, we'll probably find them without cell phones or <sighs> tracking. So, once they got to the scene of the incident... Deputy Ellison noted that he could not find any odors, skid marks, burns, or any other evidence that the, the craft had actually been at this spot. And eventually, the deputy said that they might as well leave on the account of the whole, you know, no evidence thing. Um, citing a lack of powerful Did you say he was like... He's looking for odors and... Shake around for skid marks. Somebody must have shit their pants. Yeah, I was about to say, he's, like, he's looking for odors and skid marks. Did they call fucking Officer Homestyle to the scene? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I got a lot of experience with this. Step back. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Homestyle likes ass is what I'm trying to say. It's been a while since we made one of those jokes. <laughs> so, citing a lack of powerful lights and manpower and, of course, interest, Sheriff Gillespie decided to hold off on conducting a search for Travis again until the next morning. <laughs> a fucking again. This is the guy that just let half of the murder posse leave and go, all right, you got 30 miles between here and where I told you to go. Now get. And this is a police department that can't afford lights. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, we'll find him later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to wait wait until morning because I guess you know calling it help is like it's too much trouble to ask you know just, just yeah. go put your feet back up I guess <laughs> our forensics team is a Navajo shaman it's <laughs> uh, <laughs> Billy Witch Doctor Doc <laughs> so meanwhile back at Travis's older it's brother Doctor Sebi <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah we called the the uh, county medical examiner Doctor Sebi. <laughs> And uh, he had us rub fruit juice where the saucer landed. (laughs) Could you imagine if he was a medical examiner or whatever? He's just everybody just has AIDS or some or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) Died from not drinking the fruit juice I sell for five hundred (laughs) dollars. So I'm a fucking con artist. So, meanwhile, back at Travis's older brother, Don's house, Travis's mother had just stormed in screaming, They got him! They got him! It was now approximately 3 a.m., and Don didn't know what the fuck she was yelling about. Uh, despite Sheriff Gillespie publicly referring to Don, Travis, and their mother as, quote, longtime students of UFOs. Yeah, I went to UFO University. Studied UFO U. <laughs> I'd studied UFOs at Miskatonic University. <laughs> So, word quickly spread around Snowflake about Travis being abducted by aliens in front of his traumatized co-workers, and while the police understandably remained skeptical, a lot of townsfolk and Snowflake suddenly found the story plausible, <laughs> with some of them even going on camera for the nightly news telling their own stories of UFO sightings. Uh, nothing changes. Yeah, there were sightings in the area. I mean, like... This story does have that going for it. And and it's funny, um, fucking Travis Walton, flashing forward a little bit, he was on Joe Rogan last year, and his fucking interview was such a fucking train wreck because, you know, Rogan's just like, wow, holy shit, did anyone else see this? And, and Travis Walton's like, actually, yeah, a lot of a lot of people in the area actually saw the craft that night, but uh, I can't name them. And, like, every time it was just like, wow, did someone else see this? It's like, somebody did. <laughs> they can name themselves if they want. And it's like, what are they going to do? Knock on Joe's door? Like, it's been 45 fucking years. <laughs> name them. Dude, your life wasn't fucking ruined for this. You're on the Discovery Channel still. You're on Joe Rogan's show right now. <laughs> That's top of the pops for wing nuts. Hey, Travis, did the, uh, did the aliens do uh, DMT? Holy shit, Jamie, pull that up. <laughs> Fire in the sky, really pull that up, Jamie. <laughs> do do, uh, do aliens do MMA? <laughs> What's their muscle mass like? <laughs> you know, there's a there's a pretty big theory uh, going on out there that I just made up, where uh, aliens actually eat elk meat, and that's why we saw so much uh, cattle mutilation in the '90s because they they were getting um, the high protein meat, which uh, oxygen based life forms should be eating. Now, let me tell you about this one time I drank shit to get high. <laughs> I heard they reached herd immunity back in 2018. It's a fact, bro. You can read it on the internet. Look it up, man. Look it up. Look it up. So, the next day. Cash app. The search was on. <laughs> 
aided by helicopters and dogs. Over uh, 200 people searched for Travis, including his own brother. Again, dog. this is a fucking community whose police department was like, shit, we ain't got lights. Yeah. And then like 10 hours later, they were like, bring the choppers in. Like, what the fuck is going on in <laughs> Snowflake, Arizona? Not much. <laughs> nope. So have you looked at a map of Snowflake, Arizona? Uh, I'm going to describe it to you right now because when I was calculating distances, like I took one look at an overhead map on uh, Google Maps, there is fucking fuck all in Snowflake. I'm going to sh- I'm pulling it up right now. I'm going to tell you, that, you know what Snowflake Arizona has? The Snowflake Arizona Mormon Temple and the Stinson Pioneer Museum. That's fucking it. There's a pizza joint called Bits and Pizzas. I like that. <laughs> so I just looked up where it is on a map. So it's near the New Mexico border. And I have to say, I've mm. driven through the entire United States. That stretch between Arizona and like Albuquerque is the most depressing place <laughs> I've ever been to. It is so fucking sad. <laughs> All through I-40. <laughs> yeah, that pretty much. Yeah, from Flagstaff through Albuquerque. Like, I swear to God, <laughs> you will want to blow your brains out if you live there like dude if you zoom in it does not get any better they got the skillet cafe which i don't know it might be good putter's paradise rv park all right let's not talk shit about a town we're never gonna go to (laughs) i'm just saying that stretch is depressing listen hold on homecoming 70 (laughs) might take us there okay we've been in some weird fucking places dude we're gonna be filming that next year they got a place called four mile knoll i think that's a, a hiking dude you know how depressing this fucking town is? They don't even have a goddamn Dollar General. <laughs> Maybe they're a Dollar Tree kind of place. Best Western <laughs> Snowflake Inn. Oh my god, these poor sons of bitches. Got a population of almost 6,000. 6,000, Jesus Christ. My town's got more people. Oh, well, so the name Snowflake comes from a mashup of the two founders, Erastus Snow and William J. Flake. I had never heard of that motherfucking name until I moved out here, because there is a road near me called Erastus Durbin, and it's like, (laughs) women, dude, like, they've got it so fucking bad. You just know, like, for, like, 50 years or 100 years, like, there had to be a woman on her back just like, Erastus. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Say my name. (laughs) Erastus. Oh, I mean, that's a it's it's not a good name. Is it a biblical name? It's I mean, the guy was a huge Mormon. (laughs) He probably knew Joseph Smith. (laughs) Fucking through sheets. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, he's from the Bible. He's a Rastus of of Peneus. All right. Uh, Oh, Jesse said Peneus. So he's also known as Erastus of Corinth. Continuing on. So as more time went on with fewer and fewer results, the authorities began to suspect that Travis's co-workers had actually killed him during a dispute and had concocted this UFO story to cover it up because, you know, uh, it worked before. Um, yeah, I think OJ did that. They were they were arguing <laughs> over whether Detroit pizza counted as pizza. I mean, it does. It's like Sicilian. It is, mm. it is kind of like Sicilian. It's just, yeah. your, it's just classic deep dish. Yeah. Michael, you're an idiot. Yeah. So anyway, it's, it's, it's gross. Um, well, I mean, you don't it, know what you're talking about. So while escorting Michael John Goulet, Michael Goulet, <laughs> John Goulet in the search party, sheriff's deputy kept you know asking him questions, saying like, "Hey, you know, if you just tell us where the body is, we could all go home." Like, I, I mean, you can't, but you know, me and my cop friends can. <laughs> yeah. Well, not the one that's got to do all the paperwork booking you for murder, but you know, you get the drift. 
De- so yeah, Deputy Ellison, he was over and he just began personally searching bushes <laughs> in the area, hoping to find a corpse. Where's this fucking body? I'm trying to go home and watch Matlock! <laughs> so at one point during the search... Oh uh, wait, isn't Matlock in Fire in the Sky? Like the actor? I don't know. Yeah, wasn't James Garner Matlock? You're James Garner. James Garner rules. He was in Space Cowboys. Y'all ever seen that shit? That shit rules. Oh yeah, the space movie with Clint Eastwood in it. Is that a Rob Zombie song? And I want to say William H. No, it was not a Rob Zombie song. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, Tommy Lee Jones was in there. And... Hey Dan! Donald Sutherland. Yes. Dan, it's me, it's your uncle, Tommy Lee Jones. (laughs) I'm just gonna talk to you like this for the rest of the episode, Dan. And I'm gonna call you Slim. Man, like, Tommy Lee Jones lives in San Antonio and apparently, like, is kind of known to be a bit of a grumpy person. No. I'm a bit of a grump. Um, the way he looks. Slim. What? But I, li- I like his movies. Three Burials of, uh, Melly- what was it, Melly Kelly's Estrada or just whatever Shut up. That ain't your fucking favorite Tommy Lee no, Jones No, I was movie. just- Batman Forever. No, I was just saying, I just watched it not too long ago. It's a pretty mm-hmm. good movie if you haven't seen oh, yeah. it. Best Tommy Lee Jones movie, however- Gentlemen, is Volcano alongside Anne Hesh. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Sorority House. Yeah, I was gonna say, I was like, that seems to be everybody's favorite. <laughs> I movie. imagine Tommy Lee Jones is gonna be buried with a can of Lone Star in his fucking hand. <laughs> As God intended. That's right, Slim. That's that's like Slim. Yeah. Yep. Well, I was in all those movies. It's funny you mentioned that because it that was funny. A, <laughs> the Men in Black showing up was actually a claim that John Goulet had. <laughs> yep, John Goulet. He saw me in. And uh, Will Smith, we were the men in black, Slim. <laughs> this is how Tommy Lee Jones talks, and I'm Tommy Lee Jones. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. 
He <laughs> Goulet claimed that he could tell who they were because quote government cars always come in ugly colors and the rims always match that color. It's <laughs> it is one hundred percent fucking true. And they all say for official use on the back, and you yeah. know it's some fucking right. comp troller or something. It's no yeah. one cool. So one thing that did happen during the search, uh, someone brought in a Geiger counter, and then Travis's brother claimed he personally witnessed the counter spike indicating a very high level of radiation on the scene where his brother was abducted. At least one other account claims that when Mike showed the crew's hard hats to the investigators, the Geiger counters also went nuts as well. So, yeah. That works. How funny would it be, like, if everybody, like, completely discounted their story? They were just like, yeah, we don't believe this shit. And they were all, like, run out of town, and Travis Walton didn't become a an alien celebrity and get a kick-ass D.B. Sweeney movie made about him. And, like... <laughs> It just became forgotten until like 10 years later when literally everyone in that truck just starts dropping dead of radiation poisoning. And they're like, oh, shit. Mr. Goulet, <laughs> you have lymphoma. Everywhere. You are you are tumor ridden. You look like the Michelin man. <laughs> Could you imagine like when the White Sands happened with that, that big like be, like mm-hmm. boom of... Uh, of uh, of atomic energy like weapons or isn't that the one they killed John Wayne with? <laughs> Imagine all the weird fucking shops that open up around there based mm. around like atomic energy and shit. Oh like the ones around Area 51? <laughs> yes. Oh what like Rachel Nevada, like the little yeah. alien and, and all those <laughs> the alien shows. diner. Dude, I want to go there so fucking bad. And then I'm I'm sorry but the be- the wor- the best thing uh, the government ever did for white sands was make sure the next generation of people can have babies. <laughs> 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 I fucking Between that up. and the fucking Tunguska experiment, they're like, no, no, the, the Tuskegee, yeah, the Tunguska, yeah. that was the blast. Yeah, um, I was like, oh, yeah. you're mixing that up. Yeah, that's some Dan Aykroyd, the Tunguska experiment of 1911. <laughs> um, no, between that and the fucking Tuskegee experiment, the government's got some, like, weird fixation of fucking, like, sterilizing people. Well, Operation Paperclip uh, brought, uh, well, I mean, prior to, bought eugenics to the United States. Yeah, but they didn't chop off Werner Von Braun's balls when they were like, yo, can you build us a moon rocket? By the way, let me slam your dick with this hammer. <laughs> Real question, did they actually give the Tuskegee Airmen, like, like syphilis? Yeah, or, I know, yeah they like, give them syphilis and cancer and all that. That's and, like, fucked up! Use radiation to fucking make sure they couldn't have little airmen. I thought they just gave, like, I mean, it'd still be, like, fucked up if they gave some other dudes that, but, like... And, like, the, the best <laughs> they got out of it was fucking red tails, like... What the <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Like, here you go, here's a, here's a fucking, like, borderline serviceable Terrence Howard movie. Ah, thanks. Here's the last movie George Lucas made before he decided making movies fucking sucked. <laughs> Am I thinking of the right fucking movie? Yeah, no, you're... That's the Tuskegee Airmen, not the Tuskegee Experiment. No, the Tuskegee Airmen men had experiments done on them uh yeah <laughs> welcome to changing yeah, hearts yeah, and minds <laughs> <laughs> yeah no they they were deliberately given syphilis and exposed to radiation to sterilize them like i'm this is not joe rogan no, shit. I look know. this up bagels yeah i am thinking of red tails is it no you're the michael you're thinking of the wrong movie i think no, Red Tails, that was the one with no, the... There's, no, there's wait, Red yeah. Tails, and then there's the movie, The Tuskegee Airmen, which is with... Uh, what's his name? Yeah, no, that's right. Um, uh, I can only think yeah, of... John Ridley. Or Mor- Morpheus. Wrote a mater- 
When I think of Red Tails, I just think of George Lucas going like, I gotta make up for all those uh, fucked up Star Wars movies I made. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. Could you imagine being George Lucas's wife and like every fucking day he's working on Phantom Menace, like he comes home and he's like excitedly talking about this. (laughs) And I came up with this new character that I really think all the kids are gonna love. He's called Jar Jar. He's really the center of everything. (laughs) And it's just like, oh, man. Oh, no, George. <laughs> Maybe that's why he did Ray Tails, because she just fucking came, she just came up to him like, what the fuck is this Jar Jar shit? <laughs> George Lucas is going to come up again in this episode. Hold on a second while Dan is getting something. I got to plug, I got to plug the power. No, so I just wanted to, I just wanted to update that they are two separate things. Tuskegee experiments and uh, there are two of them. Still. No, but there were two of them. Like one was in thirty-two, which is the syphilis one, and then uh, later on in nineteen forty-one, they. Oh no, no! Wait a minute. Hold on. No, I'm wrong. Okay, hey, none of this matters. No, I yeah. Hold on. Don't put that in. But obviously, because Jesse's out. Well, I know, but we're still wasting time. So continuing on. Hold on. Yeah, Jesse said to hold on. Hold on, my computer in. (sighs) Yeah. Hold on, my computer's dying. Yeah, oh, is this working now? My plug, man. All right, hold on, Slim. I gotta get a water bottle. God. <laughs> so, Gulek claims that the MIB were following around and sometimes even showing up in places he was planning on going before he even had arrived. <laughs> so now while Agent J and K were busy harassing John at the fucking Piggly Wiggly, the actual cops started <laughs> focusing on suspects in Travis's disappearance, right, which was Alan Dallas. <laughs> That's turn. Work on this Tommy Lee Jones impression. Goddamn. So <laughs> Dallas. I say Jones because I sound like I'm from Maryland. <laughs> so Dallas. He was known by members of the logging crew to have dislike for both Travis and Mike, and even Travis's brother Don began to suspect Alan of killing him because you know he's he's vulnerable. He'll believe anything. Uh, Sheriff Gillespie even asked Dallas Damn. to log for. He's desperate for closure, so that's, that'll, that'll work. Put an innocent man in jail. Don't blame the aliens. Oh, I just figured it out. There are two different movies. There's Red Tails and the Tuskegee Airmen, which came out in 95 on HBO, and Cuba Gooding Jr. is in both. Yep. <laughs> Damn. Because Hollywood only knew five black dudes. He's one of the other ones. Yep. Maybe he was just hustling that hard. He was just like, I'm going to be in two movies about the Tuskegee Airmen, goddammit. Oh, I know you ain't about to make a Tuskegee Airmen movie without me, motherfucker. <laughs> Don't try and dodge me, George Lucas. He's just like banging on Lucas's door. He just busts through the door. It's me again, motherfuckers. And George is just like putting together a Jar Jar Lego set that costs $1,200 at Walmart. Because capitalism was a fucking mistake um well give me a second and then he just calls up the producers i guess we're making another uh tuskegee airman movie with cuba <laughs> maybe we can put a lightsaber in it so anyway yeah sheriff gillespie even asked dallas to did they and, have lightsabers yeah of course everyone has lightsabers um so they even they even shit <laughs> sheriff goddamn it you fucked me up <laughs> sheriff okay. gillespie, you, know, you know who else was in that movie fucking mecky pfeiffer yeah, he was Mackay in uh, the, new, the remake of Dawn of Mackay. the Dead, and they had to shoot the baby. Mackay. I have never heard his name said. I have only <laughs> read it. Pfeiffer. Mackie Pfeiffer. M- Mackie Mackay? <laughs> Mackie Pfeiffer, if you are listening, please call in <laughs> and tell us how name? to pronounce your name. That would be funny if he was like a huge 1289 <laughs> mark. Jesus. <laughs> 
I'd, I'd, just, uh, dude, I loved your work in Dawn of the Dead. It was great. Yeah. Yo, you were the shit in Eight Mile. Dude, ER, <laughs> Homicide Life on the Street, White Collar, Agent Collins, <laughs> motherfucker. So anyway, Sheriff Gillespie asked Dallas, as well as the other crew members, to come and take a lie detector test, which they all agreed to. Mike even offered to take sodium pentothal because, you know, free drugs. <laughs> um, yep. And after a round of testing that lasted all day, five of the six men passed their polygraphs, of course, uh, except for... Alan, who's came back inconclusive. Which, you know, polygraph is dumb shit anyways. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to go off on, like, a small little tangent here. Like, a polygraph, as most of us know, like, they're not even admissible in court. It's pseudoscience. But what pisses me off is, is, like, when, like, UFO skeptics like really want to shit all over this case and they talk about this round of polygraph testing all they do is they're like well you know it's pseudoscience not even admissible in court but then like years and years later when spoiler alert fucking Travis Walton finally failed a polygraph test they're like see he fucking didn't pass a lie detector test and it's like Okay, what? Well, like, it, it's bullshit when it doesn't agree with you, but, like, when, like, it comes to... You, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, there's a double standard there in the skeptic Yeah, it's called cherry-picking, and people are idiots. <laughs> yeah, and I can't stand it. Not that I think that this, this fucking shit is real anymore. I did when I was a kid, but, like, yeah, no, if you're gonna yeah. be a skeptic, you can't cherry-pick shit like that. So, of course... Nobody, no crime. Nobody, no crime. <laughs> With nobody and no proof of deception, the cops had nothing to go on. Until Travis suddenly reappeared five hours after the polygraphs were administered. <laughs> because they totally didn't call him where he was chilling out and be like, Dude, they're fucking having taken a slide detector test. They think we killed you. Get your ass out to the highway. Rub some fucking Vaseline on yourself and say your ass got probed. I'm serious. <laughs> I ain't going to jail for your ass, Travis. <laughs> Travis contacted his sister and simply said, Come and get me. Five days had passed since he had disappeared. Travis's sister and brother-in-law Grant and his brother Dwayne all drove to pick him up from a phone booth on the side of the highway near Herber, Arizona, which is about 30 miles outside of Snowflake and only a few miles from where he had been abducted. And for some random-ass reason, Travis's family immediately drove him to the hospital. Ain't that like a bunch of motherfucking aliens to be like, okay, we, we, we traveled half the fucking universe to get back to Earth, but we're still going to drop you off a few miles off course. It's like, <laughs> well, that's pretty nice of them like would you imagine they just like leave his ass in Cambodia or something <laughs> how, how funny would that be like five days after he disappeared like fucking Travis Walton shows up in Zimbabwe <laughs> naked and covered in goo <laughs> they, just, they just hover over a rice paddy in Vietnam and kick his ass out dude the gods must be crazy three is fucking lit <laughs> <laughs> So once they picked up Travis, they immediately drove him to a hospital two and a half motherfucking hours away in Phoenix, Arizona. All right. There. <laughs> we need to talk about this, though. Arizona correspondent Michael Whelan. <laughs> is that fucking stupid or is this area of Arizona one of those places where like, yeah, they got a hospital this uh, 147 miles away. <laughs> What do you do if you can't get there? We die. Remember, this is in 1975. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. There, I remember there was a one point I was driving in this area between Arizona and New Mexico, and there was nothing for, I swear to God, like four hours. Fuck. Yeah, there's a lot of nothing down there. I know Dan lives in Texas, and it's probably similar, but there's just like large areas where there's just fucking nothing. In between the cities, there's literally nothing. Maybe a town with a thousand people in it, yeah. but... Why didn't we steal this shit from the Indians for then? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. 
Put some things there. Get a Dollar General. What the fuck? So they got to Phoenix. There, Dr. Howard Candell examined Travis and found his behavior consistent with someone who had just recently been put through a traumatic event. Oh, what did he dye his hair purple? And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. His drug test came back negative, though. He pissed clean. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you don't need you don't need drugs to do something like this. But uh, yeah, you don't only... need to be high to come up with a get rich quick scheme. It helps if you're on the trailer park, boys. But <laughs> which, like, guys, we need to talk about how I, I haven't seen the new Batman yet, the Batman. But I've seen pictures of the Riddler, and he looks like the Green Bastard. <laughs> he looks like the Green Bastard fucked the Zodiac at Lake Berryessa. Yeah. So. Paul Dano's goofy ass. The only the only signs of physical abuse was a small puncture mark on Travis's arm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> something in the way. <laughs> Speaking of the fucking Batman. So me- meanwhile, Sheriff Gillespie immediately became aware of Travis's reappearance after. Well, his wait, wait, hold on, wait. Well, what if that's the reason they didn't find anything in him? It's just Arizona, like Snowflake Arizona, was so podunk back then that the only drug they ever heard of was weed. So, like, like he could have been loaded up with like fucking mescaline and like <laughs> he did an ayahuasca trip, <laughs> MDMA, and fucking all this other shit. Yeah. Like he's tripping balls, but because he didn't smoke pot that night, they're like. He is fucking clean. So, Sheriff Gillespie immediately became aware of Travis's reappearance after the switchboard operator who patched Travis's call to his sister uh, told everybody. <laughs> Yo, Travis Walton? Fucking... <laughs> Travis Walton? Alright, hang on, hon. I'll connect you. <laughs> yeah, hello, Sheriff Gillespie? I got something you should know. <laughs> <laughs> Most interesting shift that fucking woman ever had. <laughs> Travis Walton, I'll connect you. (laughs) Please hold. Sheriff Gillespie, you gotta get down here. (laughs) So, Gillespie rushed straight to Phoenix to question him after finding out. Yeah, he's at the phone booth. Yeah. Which one you think? The one with the dead fucking raccoon in it. The one outside of Herber, fuck's sake. You know, the one by the goddamn trench in the road. <laughs> no, no, the other trench. The trench and anus. The er- Erastus dug up. <laughs> anus. You thought his name was Anus? Anus. My name is Erastus. <laughs> I'm sorry, Anus. Erastus. <laughs> so, uh, Gillespie... Re- That's why he's making his wife call him that while they're bowling. Call me Erastus. <laughs> this is because someone fucking called you anus again, isn't it? Shut up, woman! <laughs> so, of course, Sheriff Gillespie rushed straight to Phoenix. Travis claimed that he had awoken lying in the middle of the highway with the spacecraft briefly hovering over him like, you good? Bye! And then taken off. Hey, <laughs> bye, bye now. <laughs> hey, you breathing? Sorry we dropped you in that in the road there. All so, right, see you later. Travis and <laughs> Travis initially <laughs> believed that he had only been gone for a few hours, but reconsidered once he had noticed that nearly a week's worth of facial hair had grown on him. Damn, I look smooth. <laughs> <laughs> Them space people got some good nads, let me tell you. Wait, no, that's the hair removal. Rogaine. Anyway. <laughs> so, Dwayne was determined to protect him from the ravenous media circus. Like, you can't have Nancy Grace yelling at Travis. It'll fuck it up. Uh, Hashtag UFO logger. Hello. They murdered him. They ain't no aliens. They murdered him. He's going to be found underneath a log. Hello. 
Yeah, had ever, has anyone ever played Stranger's Odyssey for uh, Oddworld franchise? No, what's that? Well, well, they got these chicken people that sound just like Nancy Grace. Nancy Grace? Yeah. A fucking chicken person? <laughs> There's a stranger in the house! Hello! <laughs> Hashtag top mom, hello! <laughs> Bing bong! <laughs> Joe Byron! So... Travis's brother, Dwayne, he was determined to protect him from the vicious media circus, including Nancy Grace. Were she a thing in 1975? Don't worry, Travis. I got you against fake news media. So what did he do to protect him? He gave him the slip. He told him that he was in a hospital in Tucson instead of Phoenix. Later called the APRO? Is that what she... What they... APRO? 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 The Aerial Phenomena Research Organization. And so I'm going to say APRO or APRO. It's APRO. The people that call it APRO are the same people that ask for Italian bread Mm. at Subway. (laughs) (laughs) That Asiago. So APRO agreed to send a duo. Yeah, I've been to Italy. (laughs) I've been to Italy. So APRO agreed to send a duo of Phoenix-based doctors from within their membership to test Travis for anything that might have been done to him while he was aboard the spacecraft. Dwayne quietly snuck Travis out of Snowflake to a Phoenix hotel room where the doctors could examine him. Quick, we have to take one of the two roads. Uh, he just puts a fucking wig on him and shit. His big ass red mustache. So now, <laughs> here's the thing about this examination that most tellings of Walton's story leave out. This examination was funded by the National Enquirer in exchange for exclusive rights to the story. <laughs> In a deal set up by Travis's brother, Dwayne, the one that wanted to protect him so much from the media circus, he called fucking National Enquirer for it. Thanks, Dwayne. Well, I thought it was a fucking real nude. They have it at the goddamn grocery store. (laughs) Sorry. I've been working that fucking till down there at the Piggly Wiggly, staring at the National Enquirer every goddamn day. That is a respectable media journal. Sorry, Travis. Sorry, you decided to get abducted, and I had to deal with shit down here. I didn't call the right newspaper. Sorry. (laughs) It's it's just like the next season of the fucking Righteous Gemstones. (laughs) They told me Nixon's got gonorrhea. (laughs) (laughs) They need to make a remake of Fire in the Sky, but Dwayne is played by fucking... um, Danny McBride. Danny McBride, yeah. (laughs) Fucking Sorry. I got abducted by a UFO, you beautiful bitch. Sorry. Well, uh, sure sounds like they probed your anus because you got something stuck really far up your ass right now. I tried to help you. I called the goddamn National They're national, Travis. You understand what that means? That means they're everywhere. They will take care of you. Mama fucking reads the paper all the time. Yeah, I know I'm in fucking Arizona and I sound like I'm from Texas, so what? What do the people from Arizona sound like? I don't know. I should probably watch. They don't have an call. accent. At least Travis uh, Walton doesn't. Yeah. I just like doing Danny McBride's voice. <laughs> I'm gonna guess they sound all sound like uh, Walter White. So continuing on, where the fuck is Brian Cranston from? It ain't fucking Arizona. Who cares? So, when Travis could not account for what happened during the five days he'd been missing, the doctors placed him under hypnosis because magic tricks were apparently considered medicine back then. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Brian Krantz is actually from Hollywood. He's another one of those dopes that insists he saw Charles Manson at the ranch when he was a kid. Oh yeah. Him and Meatloaf. <laughs> him, him and Meatloaf. Rest in peace. Hey guys, real quick. Uh, rest in power, Meatloaf. He just passed away since <laughs> in between uh, times of us recording. So, uh... Yeah, bat out of hell to you, Robert Paulson. Sucks what happened, dude. 
Sucks what happened, dude. <laughs> sucks what happened, dude. Yeah, sucks what happened. Um, yeah, crazy how you got COVID after telling everyone not to wear a mask for two years. Imagine that. Anyway, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly sucks, but I will yeah, not. Do- that, that movie where you had tits was great. Anyway, <laughs> uh, excuse me. He was in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, excuse me. He was in Wayne's World. He was Tiny the Bouncer. Mm-hmm. Sure, he was. Yep. The shitty Beatles. Are they any good, dude? They suck. <laughs> excuse me. He was an Aqua Team Hunger Force. Oh, yeah. God damn it. Dude, I laughed at that fucking status of yours for like three days straight. <laughs> R.I.P. Meatwad or whatever. I don't know. I never listened to that at all. Oh, my God. I was crying from laughing at that. Just the, just the disdain and just- the fucking... I never really got into Meatloaf. I was like, what? Is he like either. a I was like, is he like a fatter Elvis or what? Like, I don't know. Uh yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So, while under hypnosis, Travis described the feeling of suffocation and pain all over while aboard the alien space. No breathing. Travis walked in, got fucking abducted. <laughs> Walt later had claimed that he felt like he had been mortally wounded. My dearest Sarah. It appears I won't make it through this winter, mm. as I have been abducted by aliens, and my fucking logging crew left me behind to die. <laughs> if only I could break the chains of time to be with you again. Instead, I'm having my anus probed here in space. So, he was unaware of where he was, vertigo, double vision. He recalls waking under a light and thinking the crew had taken him to the hospital. He had thought that he was raised on a gurney, recalling being held down to this platform. He also described that he had been looked over by three short, expressionless creatures with large eyes. Oh, ACDC. Ugh. <laughs> 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 oh. I love ACDC. So ACDC AC rules. ACDC rules. Hey, real quick, cheers to ACDC. They did it for Satan. Yep. They did it for Satan, yeah. bro. Let's give ACDC their flowers. They deserve it. Yeah. So, Walton claimed that the creatures were hairless and about five feet tall with white skin. Uh, he became combative, but felt weak, trying to get away. And he claims that he had gotten up grabbing a clear glass tube to use as a weapon and attempted to fight off these creatures, but Walton says that... It's Austin Powers' penis pump. <laughs> get back! I'll hit you with my mojo! Walton says he was able to knock one against the other and said they felt weak like a child. Yeah, yeah, so I, I fucked up them punk-ass bitch aliens, and they went down like little children. I mean, it was nothing for me. I was about to say, how many kids is he fighting? Yeah, well, I mean, he's a logger <laughs> from Arizona, so probably a lot. I fought, like, at least two kids this week. What? <laughs> I, I average about four a week, I guess. So, the aliens then left Walton alone because they're like, fuck this, we're just trying to help. Like, goddamn, I'm just trying to figure out what your colon looks like. I don't need any of this shit right now. This is above my pay grade. I'm going to HR about this. So, he began to panic in this area he described as cramp. (laughs) Fuck! (laughs) Could you imagine being an alien working in another portion of the ship and, like, down the hallway you just hear, fuck! It's like working in a hospital, I'm sure. Uh, they grabbed another one from Arizona, huh? Yeah, with fucking third one this week. <laughs> so yeah, he panicked and he tried to get away, but of course he, like, he, where the fuck is he gonna go? Where, well, tell me where, how you're gonna escape this alien spaceship, Travis. I, I, I can tell you right now, he's gonna go to a room with a fucking chair in it and hit a button. <laughs> he described the inside of this craft as, quote, dimly lit by human standards. Yeah, I mean, a horse may have liked it very much, actually. <laughs> yeah. A bat 
Probably. So, to note... You know, they use echolocation. To remind you, he's walking around a spacecraft and can breathe their atmosphere. Yeah, it was dimly lit for a human, but well lit for a cat. For Danzig? Perfect. (laughs) I need more blood on the walls. (laughs) So, wandering around, Travis found an empty room, except for a single chair inside. And while he was in there, he claims that there was some sort of projection device showing a map of stars. So, apparently the aliens shopped the sharper image and got that new hotness. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> it cost 8,000 pennies. It's, it's, it's sitting there next to a fucking instant pot <laughs> and some, like, fucking incense holders and shit. I really want to go back. To, I'm sorry, but I just want to go back to the age of when sharper image was fucking cool. Dude, I don't know if you've ever been there, but I think Chef Bagels has, like, the Woodbridge Mall yeah. in the 90s was fucking lit. They had a sharper image and a Discovery Channel store. You could get, like, fake dinosaur eggs and shit. It was great. Sharper image was so cool when you were, like, a kid. And now, like, you, I look at it so jaded. Like, oh, what? It's a fucking sofa that freaking flies. Who cares? <laughs> Dude, they had the Woodbridge Mall. They had a, a sharper image store that had a TV remote that was made to look like Luke's lightsaber hilt from Return of the Jedi. And they wanted, like, $129 for it. Jesus, that's like a dude. A, that's like five bucks for Elon Musk. <laughs> probably has a. Well, now you can probably get one on Wish. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're the, if you're that fucking nerdy about it, like if you must have a lightsaber remote for your fucking Roku. Shh, fucking nerds. I mean, I got a lightsaber sitting right next to me, so I, got, I don't got room to talk. Anyway, so anyway, according to Travis, uh, this chair's arm contained a touchscreen, and he began looking for a button to press that would eject him from the ship, just shoot him out into the atmosphere. Boing! Uh, <laughs> apparently believing that the craft was still only a few dozen feet off the ground in Earth. Hi, I'm Travis Walton. Welcome to Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, just can. like the remote at your friend's house, you don't know what it fucking does, so none of the buttons work. <laughs> they should just make a jackass movie where it's just them I'm arguing amongst themselves and, and uh, the litigation that they're suing each other for. That'd be very funny. <laughs> See the jackass movie set in the fucking mental hospital bams in, I swear I came up with my own language. <laughs> up his meds. It's, they really should do like a, a thing where Bam tries to lose weight and just follow him around. Well, we all know that that's coming. They're going to do a celebrity fit club or some oh, shit. Oh, I can't like, wait. <laughs> I must ask this sincerely. Like, if you are doing mental health therapy on Bam Margera. How do you know you've gotten him back to normal? Like, Docs, he wants to shove cars up his ass again. We've succeeded. He just punches his dad in the face and you're like, we've made progress. He wants to set off firecrackers in his mom's bedroom. We've cured him. He kept attacking me when I was trying to take a shit. He's better. He's putting borax in his mother's pussy. <laughs> like, we've made a breakthrough. He's put a dangerous reptile in his fucking middle-aged parents' kitchen. Success. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Is that Bam? Is that real? Is that real? Is it real? Come on, Bam! <laughs> he almost had one of his friends groping his mother. <laughs> like, Come on, Bam! Right, continuing on. So, after fucking around with the remote that did nothing, Walton claims that a tall, muscular, humanoid creature wearing a helmet suddenly entered the room. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Darth helmet. Can't breathe in this thing! So, this momentarily calmed Walton as he thought that he was in the presence of another fellow human being. 
possibly from the Air Force or NASA, there to intervene and, of course, rescue him because go America. That's how you know he was fucking delusional. The yeah. Air Force is not going there unless there's paperwork to be done. So, <laughs> yeah, unless there's dependipotamuses on that ship, there ain't going anywhere near there. Hashtag yeah. <laughs> yeah. army wife, you. Triceratops, yeah. <laughs> when I lived in Georgia, there was another uh, guy whose wife was in the Air Force and we would always make jokes that we were dependipotamuses and triceratops. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember Georgia sucks to get stationed at. Roach was stationed there and I remember it, it was right after he got out of tech school in Texas. So he was living it up in Texas and they were like, yeah, no, we're going to send you into the middle of fucking nowhere in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I called him and I was like, how you doing? And he goes, dude, I want to fucking kill myself. And I'm like, come on, it can't be that bad. Why don't you go out to the bar and find yourself a Georgia peach? And he goes, dude, there's nothing but old fat chicks where I live. That's a fucking Georgia bushel. Can you imagine being stationed yeah. in Georgia and they're like, yeah, we're not allowing alcohol at all. This place sucks. You're going to kill yourself. <laughs> Yeah, I'll never forget the first weekend that my wife and I moved to Georgia. We went to a like grocery store just to get groceries. It was on a Sunday. And I remember they told us it was like 11 o'clock or something. Like, oh, sorry, you can't buy beer until like 3 p.m. They don't let you buy here at all on Sunday in Ohio. That's some bullshit. I, I don't understand why people live like that. Speaking <laughs> speaking of that, like, can I beach bitch for like two seconds? So I was over at PA and I had to buy beer and then go back um, with the beer and then because I was buying two cases of beer so I had to go there buy that put it in the in the and stow it into the car come back buy it buy the other one and do that like I was like you know I'm gonna buy it like twice I don't know why they're eh. Yeah, that's my favorite George Thorogood song. Anyway, moving <laughs> anyway, along. Uh, so once this humanoid came in, he started asking him questions about where he was. But of course, this humanoid didn't speak English, so he didn't answer him. And instead, uh, he took him down the hall through an automatic door, you know, one of them whoosh things, and into what he thought was an airlock, and then down another narrow hallway into a cooler, less cramped roof. That's the difference between someone like Travis Walton and me, because I know if I got abducted and they're, like, dragging me through the fucking hallway and the door does whoosh, I'll be like, oh, you got one of the fucking whoosh things? Oh, (laughs) yes! Fuck yeah! Were you expecting this? It's like, I watch a lot of TV. I'm autistic. <laughs> Took him into a room that was a little bit brighter, had better air, and then the humanoid mentioned him for to go down a steep ramp. He described the area as uh, being in a large building or a hangar containing other crafts similar to the one that had picked him up. I love how, like, the, the aliens have mastered the ability to transcend space and time by traveling from one end to the universe to the next, but they still need ramps. They're like, <laughs> fuck, we need a long, flat thing here. <laughs> I wonder if this is the hangar Megadeth sang about. Yeah, it is. <laughs> the humanoid then took him to another room, where there were more of these humanoid individuals. This time, however, they weren't wearing helmets, and closely resembled what some ufologists refer to as Nordic aliens. Tall, Swedish... Uh, space Nazis. <laughs> tall, Swedish-looking aliens <laughs> with blonde hair. So, he tried to get answers out of them, screaming and ranting at him, but they merely just stared at him with a, quote, vague expression of tolerance. Then, three individuals approached him. One put a mask over his face. Spaceship filled with Tokis. (laughs) (laughs) We tolerate you. (laughs) We tolerate you. Oh, fuck. So, one of them put a mask over his face. He tried to remove it and failed. And then he lost consciousness. (laughs) Initially. I have rights. (laughs) Initially, Walton thought because they didn't speak to him, maybe they were trying to hide an accent or maybe realize that in his hysteria, that it would be futile to talk him down. 
Uh, later, Walton theorized that these creatures communicated telepathically amongst each other. The next thing he remembers is waking up on the highway near from where he was picked up. The aftermath of this experience was scrutinized, and rightly so. Skeptic said it was a cash grab. The National Enquirer awarded Walton and the logging crew a $5,000 cash prize for, quote, best UFO case of the year after they all passed the polygraph, of course. What were the runners up? Like, <laughs> could tell you. Uh, our old buddy ufologist Philip J. Class considered it a... Man, I love this asshole. <laughs> he was so great. He considered... Just shitting on everyone. <laughs> Dude, there is, there is great video of him shitting all over Ed Walters, the dude from the Gulf Breeze incident in Florida, who, like, tried selling those Polaroids of two, like, styrofoam plates together as UFOs. <laughs> and he's just up there just like, motherfucker, you got two felonies for fucking fraudulent checks and stealing cars. I don't believe your ass. Like, he said that on live TV to this guy. Awesome. <laughs> Imagine the disappointment of someone seeing, like, a book that's slightly obscure and it's like Philip K. And you're like... Philip K. Dick, and then you move, and you're like, "Oh, no!" <laughs> John's just like Philip Glass. No, Philip Class. <laughs> so, uh, Class considered it a hoax perpetrated for financial gain, and discovered many quote discrepancies in the story that Walton and his co-workers had concocted. Yeah, that's that's kind of his thing. Like, like this is a great thing. I'll read real quick for you guys. Um, Class wrote this piece that was uh, published in uh, the newsletter called Saucer Smear in October 1983, <laughs> and it's titled The Last Will and Testament of Philip J. Class. You can't convince me that doesn't sound like a porno. <laughs> <laughs> Philip J. Ass. <laughs> um, and it says... No, I mean Saucer Smear. Oh. <laughs> to ufologists who publicly criticize me, or who even think unkind thoughts about me in private, I do hereby leave and bequeath... The UFO curse. No matter how long you live, you will never know any more about UFOs than you know today. You will never know any more about what UFOs really are or where they came from. You will never know any more about what the U.S. government really knows about UFOs than what you know today. As you lie on your own deathbed, you will be as mystified about UFOs as you are today. And you will remember this curse. So... After investigating the case, Class reported that the lie detectors were, quote, poorly administered, and that Walton used, quote, polygraph countermeasures, such as holding his breath, and then uncovered an earlier failed polygraph test administered by an examiner who concluded that the case involved, quote, gross deception. Most skeptics insist that Walton became inspired to fake his abduction after watching an NBC TV movie about the Betty and Barney Hill alien abduction titled, quote, The UFO Incident. Sorry, James Earl Jones, hey. Mm -hmm. Fuck yeah. This aired only two weeks before Travis's own alleged abduction and contained many similarities to his story. Betty, I'm getting my anus probed. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. Simba. Simba. Kimba. There's an overpositor in my anus. Anus. <laughs> this film <Arrestless>. aired... <laughs> Fuck. This film aired only two weeks before Travis's own alleged abduction and contained many similarities to the story. So, you know. Yeah, there were aliens in it. Yeah, there's aliens in it. So in 1993, that's when Fire in the Sky came out that we talked about earlier. This starred D.B. Sweeney as Walton, Robert Patrick's T-1000 ass as Mike Rogers, and fucking Elliot from E.T. himself, Henry Thomas. D.B. <laughs> Beefy Sweeney. <laughs> So, fun fact about Fire in the Sky, that's not at all what Travis described as his incident. 
It bears no similarity to Walton's own account and features a grimy-ass walls, a zero-gravity room, and fucking rotted human body that Travis accidentally stabs with his fucking hand. That scene scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. No. That was awesome. It's a badass movie. And the zero-G in that sequence, like, I'm assuming they did it with wires. Pretty fucking convincing. Those are some great shots in that movie. Yeah, yeah. So the screenwriter for Fire in the Sky, Tracy Torme, son of famous musician Mel Torme, said that executives at Paramount made him change the details of the scene because they found Walton's own accord of his abduction, quote, boring. Uh, this movie fucking rips, though, even though, like, mm-hmm. the aliens look like the Japanese Martians from The Phantom Menace. It was uh, <laughs> weird. Yeah, those were definitely, they were from fucking space Japan. Like, I don't know what George <laughs> Lucas's preoccupation space with that shit is. <laughs> Like, like he's really big on Space Asia for some reason. Like, between... Was that one dude? The Chinese frog-looking dude in Return of the Jedi? Nub-Nub or something? Me and Nub. Between him and uh, Jar Jar, he's like, what if I subtly put stereotypes in my Star Wars movie? Would anyone pick it up? Oh, yeah, him and, him and Watto. Yeah, it's like, Watto. Jesus, dude. So, in 2008... Walton appeared on the game show The Moment of Truth, and when he was asked if he was abducted by UFOs on November 5th, 1975, of course he said yes, but the lie detector determined that it was a lie. Yeah, but lie detectors are inadmissible. Corey, they're hypocrites, people. Yeah. No. It's whatever. Keep your eyes on the skies. But... Just recently, Travis came back up to the surface, and uh, January of 2021, Walton appeared on the jot... Excuse me, the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> to talk about his experience. You ever eat uh, tiger cum to get high, Travis? <laughs> oh my god, Josh Hogan. Shut the fuck up. The Joe Rogan epidemic, which is, I guess, what they should call it now. The Joe Rogan pandemic. <laughs> but he claimed that he couldn't remember if he had heard of the Betty and Barney Hill incident before his own alleged abduction. But, you know, I guess, you know, you get abducted by one alien, they all kind of do the same thing. There's a standardized practice for the Galactic Council for abducting humans, so. What if he just doubled down on it? He's just like, yeah, so what? Yeah, I saw it. The shit ripped. James Earl Jones, so fucking what? <laughs> you think they're the only ones that could get abducted? I got abducted too. They were the pioneers, but it happened to me. <laughs> and it could happen to you because it happened to me too. And T. J-Rock, straight out of Sunnyvale, hot as fuck. Peace. <laughs> Every fucking story we cover on the show, just, and net, like, the more you look into it, it's just Trailer Park Boys shit. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Ricky. Yeah. Wait, Ricky, we could say you got abducted by aliens, and then you don't have to go to work. <laughs> Holy fucking shit bubbles, it's fucking genius. So, now, <laughs> Travis Walton is 69 years old. Nice. But he continues to give many media appearances regarding his tale of a close encounter of the fourth kind, so he is just gonna ride that wave all the way in. They all lived happily ever after, man. Mm-hmm. It was great. Yeah, so good for him. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm hoping he's still getting his nickel for this. He's still married to the same woman he was with at the time this happened. Man, good on her. Dana? Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. 
Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.